Welcome to episode 49 of the Cincy Postcast, and the season is getting oh so close to us. In part one, we're talking FC Cincinnati. Brenner is where exactly? Who is joining this team? How the preseason is going? In part two, we're looking at MLS at large. Massive changes coming to the playoff structure as well as the Apple TV deal. We review the first content offerings and we're going to wrap it all up with in the 11 out of the 18. And that is your Cincy Postcast episode 49. Joining me to talk about all of that, we've got the regular crew back on the postcast. Grayson is back, but my question goes to you, Chief. What song are you putting on the FC Cincinnati playlist? Was I the only one that read your list and was like, wow, what disrespect to our band that you just heard in the intro, Jim Trace and the Makers right here. They were nice enough to let us use their song and then just snubbed. For no good reason. I know for a fact their music is available both on Apple Music and Spotify, <laughs> yet we included Walk the Moon in favor of Jim uh, over Jim Trace and the Makers. He this this disrespect. Walk the Moon twice. Right. Twice. 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 And we couldn't, get to, we couldn't get any dab in there. Couldn't get any love in there for any like radio, low black lace, all the hits that the uh, our buddies JTM have. Come on, man. So Big I old, will come say. On, man. I had originally intended and frankly forgot to include them in the uh, the honorable mentions category. And it was strict. It was just going to be for the joke of saying I didn't include them so as to not embarrass our dear friend Mark. So that was <laughs> that was the entire point there. <laughs> no, did, did they deserve to be on the playlist? Absolutely. I got to admit, I'm making this thing and I'm like, I know I'm going to miss like a super obvious Cincinnati band that I'm just going to be like, Oh shit. I didn't, I didn't remember they were from here or whatever. I don't think I embarrassed myself too much, but uh, Grayson, what was, what was your thoughts on it? Well, did you have the heartless bastards on there? I did not have the heartless bastards on there. So there's, so there's one, but so there's one. Um, <laughs> weren't the, weren't the ass ponies from Cincinnati too? If I remember correctly, they were. I couldn't find on a good song alone, that worked. On name alone, they've got to be there, right? I agree. I just there wasn't a song that worked. <laughs> um, so, so I still look. I get why you didn't include the Cincinnati song from Babes in Toyland, but <laughs> I think I think Cat Williams deserves to be included. And, you, know, <laughs> you know, comedians comedians go on tour with bands all the time. Cat Williams has released some music. I couldn't find it on the platform. So, so. like, what if, what if, uh, what, can, can you imagine like being in the in TQL stadium one day and somebody throws an ad and all you hear is like, I don't have any friends who are insurgents. What's an insurgent? <laughs> 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 I feel like did Cat Williams get canceled? Because I feel like Cat Williams was awesome, and then all of a sudden we stopped hearing about uh, Cat Williams. I think Cat Williams is uncancelable. I'll say that. I think I think he's I don't think he was canceled. I think he ran into like real legal trouble there for a little bit. I think yeah. that's what happened. That's um, all right too. Yeah. I'm talking completely that's, off the cuff, but that would have taken that's him that's off actual street, That's actual street credit for a comedian when you get into real trouble as opposed to fake internet trouble. Yeah. That is a good point. 
uh, High Tech is featured on the playlist a couple of times, and he performed uh, with Dave Chappelle when Chappelle came to Cincinnati a couple months ago. Fantastic. Back, so. No, there you um, go. See, Dave Chappelle, the, another guy, got no, no complaints. None. None. Um, <laughs> so No notes. No notes. So I, I didn't really, I skimmed through your list because I find most music from Cincinnati to be terrible. Um, That's fair. I love Cincinnati. I love this town. I love living in this town. I live here by choice. I moved back here after having the opportunity to live elsewhere. The music in this town is objectively bad. It's just not a great it's music weird. town. Um, and this is where somebody gets into my mentions and they're like, you don't really know where the good music is. No, I know where the music is. It's not, it's not great. Um, One of six venues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I appreciate that wasn't on your list or I didn't see on your list is that awful Cincinnati, Ohio song that the Reds keep trying to make a thing? So that's it's terrible. the one that it's, it's everybody it's, asked me to put on it. No, no, it's terrible. It. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> and I, I have heard tell, I heard from someone who heard from someone who heard from someone that there is one member of the Castellini family that really loves this song oh. and thinks it should be played at all Cincinnati sporting events. And that's why every time you go to a Reds game, and watch some pitcher with a five ERA get his face stomped in because they won't <laughs> sign anyone that's actually any good. Uh, after the seventh inning stretch, you're treated to an entire you're treated to an entire stadium standing around indifferently as that stupid it was a Carol Williams Cincinnati Ohio song. Sam Connie plays. Smith. Connie Smith, whoever the hell she is, <laughs> nobody cares. She's a jabroni like the mayor. Um, and so they play this song and they have the lyrics up on the jumbotron. And nobody is participating. Not one person is participating in the sing-along for this because it is a terrible song and they keep trying to make, make fetch happen for some reason. It's never going to catch on. So it's I'll tell tough. you, I, I've not admittedly done a close reading of the lyrics, uh, but so there maybe this is answered like in the text itself, but I thought I would just pose this. So like at different points in the song, I think first she says can't be more than a mile or so. And then says, can't be more than an hour or so. How is she getting there? Is this well, she's Smith using Metro. She's in there? Right. If she's, she's using taking... Metro, this could be true. <laughs> That's true. She's taking public transit in Cincinnati. It takes about an hour to get into downtown. They've got to go swing by uh, Mount Healthy real fast on the express route. Because yeah. if, you're, if you're driving and you're a mile away and there's no traffic, you're there before the song's over. I mean, do you have to take the Brentsmith Bridge to get there? Because that may actually add a significant <laughs> amount of delay. Eh, What's up, anymore. Spence Bridge? Shout out. <laughs> In our way, you're almost to Columbus. So <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, I don't understand I, uh, the I don't yeah. understand the obsession about needing songs about or surrounding a team to be from the city they play in. Why can't these songs be songs that make you think about the vibe of the city, the vibe of the team? Why are we limited to like the six bands from Cincinnati? Everybody knows. Like, why are we limited to listening to over the Rhine make music that makes me want to like, you know, go put my car in a garage and turn the ignition on. Like if you're thinking about <laughs> like vibes or, you know, vibrations, um, Charles Manson wrote a song for the beach boys. It's yeah. true. Charles Manson is Cincinnati native. So it's not about Cincinnati, but you know, it's, you got to say when you, when you are born here, the, city kind of kind of puts its puts its uh uh mark on you and it just kind of stays there and would you say it influences your 
your It'll mind. It'll always be a part of everything that you uh, do. So oh, in, instead of the orange and blue, could FC Cincinnati's nickname have been the Helter Skelter when we're really good on offense moving forward, yes. really dicing our way, slicing our way That's, through the defense? That could be what we call the what we call our press, our our heavy, you know, active pressing style. Yeah. Right? Yes. Helter Helter Skelter mode. <laughs> Just an absolute killing with the Helter Skelter offense or the Helter Skelter you know, defense. That's probably why why they should have known that he wasn't all there. Because Charles Manson did not move back to Cincinnati. That's a great point. He stayed, I, I have, he stayed I'm, away. I have never once heard uh, um, Charles Manson ever ask anyone where they went to high school. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Makes you think, huh? It really does. Um, if you only listen to one song Hashtag on the playlist, not my Cincinnatian. Down to way. That's the song. That's the song you want to listen to. That's the one that the knights need to turn into a chant. By the way, I was really speaking of speaking of knights with chants. I this is my last Please. thing on music. I was very <laughs> pleased with myself at coming to the revelation during a work day when I was completely sober. <laughs> oh, that <yes. laughs> that really supporters sections are like jam bands, yes. and that there should be more people in supporters sections that are fans of. Uh, Dave Matthews, Fish, Goose, Widespread Panic, because A, if you know anything about a jam band, they are never fronted by a person that can actually sing, ever. Like, the singing is Kind subpar- of a requirement, yeah. Sub- subpar <laughs> at best. Uh, the songs go on way too long, and people complain about them being repetitive. If you're not in the group, nobody gets it. Nobody's like, how do you sit and listen to that over and over again for the entire time? And mostly yeah. to enjoy it, you've got to be smashed or you got to be high, so. Travel around with it, too. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, see him on the road. <laughs> and some people yeah, the road show shows. And, yeah. Some people even show up to the Bailey like 90 minutes ahead of time. Just right. sit there. <laughs> they camp out. Is there camping yeah, for the spot? See. They, outside saying they need a miracle. Like, no, nah, man, just get on Seek Geek. It'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> it really lines up really well. <laughs> oh man. Uh well, speaking of needing a miracle. No, FC Cincinnati news. There we go. I think we can talk about it. Um no, we uh, we gotta we gotta talk about this. If you've if you've seen folks tweeting at FC Cincinnati, uh, you might have picked up on this. The uh, the the word is out there. The rumor is out there. Our our good friend Brenner, maybe having a dispute with the team, and is not with the team right now, and he should be i don't know how to phrase this <laughs> or he might not he might not need to be with the team depending on who you believe i don't know yeah we've so we've gotten some weird conflicting stories here but in general uh the general contours of the idea here is that brenner is not with the team right now whether or not that was pre-planned or team approved is a matter of debate, but he is not with the team right now. And he seems to be, again, this is pure speculation and could be absolute garbage, uh, appears to be upset that a move outside of Cincinnati uh, could not have been reached in this past window. I'd say particularly the move to uh, to the Premier League probably annoyed him. Um, Grayson, what? I don't know. I don't know how much to talk about this because if he plays on Friday, it's all kind of moot. But yeah, so I guess the first thing, my first thought on it is, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of pretty well known. And I think 
everybody has heard this kind of pure fact from everybody that Brenner went back to Brazil at some point over the weekend or like right before the weekend when they yeah. had their three-day break and he didn't come back on Monday and hasn't come back to, you know, I guess, I don't know, break kayfabe here or whatever it is to today, Tuesday, yeah. we're recording this. <laughs> um, so, but beyond that, um, I mean, you can, you can obviously speculate on everything and yeah, like, do I think some, some, explanations for it are more likely than others yeah but this is also a situation where people are going to claim things as fact and they're going to characterize things and characterize like events and who did what and who's in the right and who's in the wrong and say that they have like an inside story on this and this is the type of thing where like other than the pure fact that brenner is not specifically with the team if you're if you're giving me like a narrative of the story, I really want to know who provided you the information. Because yeah. this is a scenario where I, th I do think that like how the story is characterized and how we understand it really, really depends on um, whose perspective we're, we're getting. And so like me personally, I find it interesting that Brenner's not there. I hope he comes back soon. Um, but I'm not like, all that worried about it. Like, I don't think he needs to play against Philly on Friday, for example, for me right. to think, I mean, it seems like he was cooking all preseason. He scored against Austin. Um, before the transfer drama happened, Noonan talked about how good Brenner had been. Haglin talked about uh, right after the transfer window closed, he talked about how Brenner had been, you know, one of the best players in training and was very uh, 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 positive about about Brenner's play this preseason. I feel like he's ready, you know, and I hope he's still working out in Brazil. I hope he comes back before the first game. But like I'm not really gonna worry about it until he's missed maybe the first two games. And this isn't yeah. like this isn't ideal, right? And this is not dispensation you give to just anybody, but this is a guy who is a really special player in this league who we expect to move on to bigger and better things in the summer. And I think he, I still think he's going to come back. I still think he's going to produce. I think he needs to just, he'll, he'll get past whatever he needs to get past. He'll get back in the team and, you know, he'll come back the same player that we had the last half of, of uh, last season. That's such yeah. a great point, Grayson. Um, because it's interesting how, so we were debating whether or not or how we wanted to talk about this because there's so little information out there. But the, the rumor of his departure is so widespread in the fan base at this point, we decided we just had to address it. But this was brought to me by two different people that what I would call sources on this. And, oh, look, I have sources. This is wild. Um, hey, look at us. <laughs> and it's interesting how different sources depending on their point of view and this is going to sound very obi-wan kenobi but like the truth really does matter a little bit on what the point of view is so one source presents this to me as brenner is upset with the team that a transfer couldn't be reached he had it out with chris albright and stormed off got on a plane to brazil and has been gone 
since that happened. Okay, you get that information, and it's like, wow, that's bad. That but then bad. <laughs> you do some extra digging, and another source comes forward, and it's like, yeah, he, you know, bopped off to Brazil, but it was with permission to the team. Now, one might say one of those is spin by a player like leaves and somebody has to spin that positively. So this other source has heard the positive spin as opposed to the negative spin, or there's some truth that could be in the middle where, yeah, Brenner does have a beef with the club that a transfer didn't get completed. And the club tells him, take a couple days off, go get your head right. Like this sucks, but we didn't get the offer we need. You know what we need in order to recoup our investment in you. It didn't come this window. We're going to try and do it again next window. If you're really that mad about it, that it's making you that upset, go home, clear your head, do whatever it is that a young multimillionaire athlete in his hometown does to get himself <laughs> right and come back here with a renewed sense of purpose. Um, all of those are equally likely explanations for what is going on. And so it runs the spectrum from this is awful, and Chris Albright has completely mismanaged the situation, to this is not great, but it's being handled in an appropriate manner, and everything's going to probably have a successful resolution once everything cools down or you know, once yeah. everybody comes back and returns into the, their proper roles with things. I, um, I'm not worried about it, number one, because, A, nobody knows this is true right now. And, <laughs> right. I mean, I guess I could go on a rant right now about um, the fact that MLS preseason is one of the only preseasons where the reporting media doesn't go down to cover training. So in baseball, the Reds beat writers are at spring training the entire time. With the NFL, the Bengals beat writers are at training camp the entire time. Uh, When that's in Cincinnati, they're all in Cincinnati. Back when that was in Wilmington, when I was growing up, the media used to live in dorm rooms at Wilmington to cover the Bengals. Right now, because of the way MLS handles preseason, there are no reporters down in training. And I guess, you know, part of that, too, is just the media landscape has changed. It would probably be difficult for Pat Brennan to get the Inquirer to pay for him to go down to Florida for two and a half weeks. It's just not the way the media does business anymore, for the most part. But having said that, because there isn't a reporter on the ground watching training and that they are making this training available for reporters to watch, we're forced to guess as to who's there, who's not. And until the team writes something confirmatory or until one of our reporters gets something leaked to them, we're sort of in the dark on this. We could take this tonight and he could be in training tomorrow. And this is all really silly, but it's also cloak and dagger because there's no one covering this league. There's no one able to cover this league. And this league does not make itself open to being covered. If, if Joe Burrow missed a week (laughs) of training camp for the Bengals without an explanation, there would have been a five alarm meltdown in this city's fan base. But we would After know about a big money trade just fell through. Yeah. Yeah. But we would know about it immediately because the reporters would all be there and be like, huh, I haven't seen Joe Burrow throw into Jamar Chase in a while. Is everything okay? And then the next day, huh, still no Joe Burrow. I should probably start asking some questions about this. In MLS, it's very opaque and it sucks because we're forced to speculate, which isn't really, you know, fair to anyone. Well, even right. during the season, they only get like what fifteen minutes of training or something they yeah. get to watch. So, like, yeah, they can tell us who they saw out training, but like, 
you know, some guy was inside going to the bathroom or something and he was absent from training right. versus versus right. the NFL, you know, because he had too much coffee that morning and, you know, had to tend to take a long one. But the, <laughs> the cynic in me would point out that the NFL uh, is a very well covered league and the fans live and die on all these little updates and providing these little updates help engage the fan base during the week between when games are being played and might offer that. MLS seems hell-bent on uh, emulating every other part of the NFL, except the parts of the NFL that really work, and that's keeping the fans engaged all the goddamn time. Yes. Um, of all the things in the NFL to emulate, one would think being open with players and training and availability and who's in and who's out, one would think that would be the part to emulate. But instead, it's like, no, it's like trying to get information from behind the Iron Curtain in terms of figuring out what's going on with FC Cincinnati at any given moment. Like even a marginally, maybe this is, maybe this is overstating it, but I'll say it even, even like a marginally engaged Bengals fan can tell you like exactly how much like dead money the, right. the, 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 the Bengals might have by cutting like a particular player. Right. Right. Or how much cap space can be freed up if you cut Joe Mixon before June 1st or after June 1st. Right. I got to tell you, and, yeah, the Mixon story breaks and everybody I'm talking to is like, well, I think they were going to cut him anyway because they get a really good deal if they cut him. It's like, like, how do you know if, all of this? You get like 10 million if you, you get 10 million in cap relief if you cut him after June 1st. But it's like, um, you know, but MLS doesn't provide that ability right. to fans, right? Because they don't tell you how much gam anybody has. Like, or like, yeah, they go like out of their the, way to make it hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, today they released that interview. I'm going to say, quote unquote, interview <laughs> for Pat Newton, right? State run media and, interview. And it's like, <laughs> all this did, I mean, it provided like, no interesting information. No. And all it did was remind me that they're not providing access to like anybody who's going to ask a question that anybody wants to know. Right. Hey, is Arius signing or what's up with that? Like right. that Where's should Brenner? be question one. Okay? Where's Brenner? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, it's insane to me. I, I, to bring this back to Brenner for a second, I understand he's upset about a transfer not going through, but like his camp knows what offer gets him out of there. Right. Like, none of this should have been a surprise to anybody. And I understand being frustrated, but, like, you got to be frustrated at Nottingham Forest or Udinese for not meeting FCC's valuation. Like, that's part of the negotiation well, no, no, no. here. Not just, not just FC Cincinnati's valuation, but they aren't even meeting the valuation FC Cincinnati paid for Brenner. And there's one person that's responsible for that. It's Brenner. And I right. get, I'm not going to cap on the guy because he was thrust into a bad situation with a badly run team, with a bad general manager and a bad manager. And his first year just was the worst circumstance for him to be brought into. I get that. Having said that, he's still signed here. So if you're mad at the situation you came into, A, your agent is really the person you should be getting mad at. They've fixed the situation with the team. He had a good year this year. He's on track to have a good year the next year. Yeah, it's it's he there should be there should be eyes wide open on this. But the other thing to remember too, and because I hang on here, I am about to be nice to Brenner. 
Um, <laughs> this is a rare also, moment. <laughs> he's also only 23 years old. Like we right. forget because he's been here for a while. He's 23 years old. When I was his age, I was still in school. Like I was still going to grad school. Um, yeah. And I was not ready to handle anything <laughs> approaching major responsibility. And I try to imagine in my life, if I had at that age had an opportunity that I thought was the best career move possible for me and that somebody else would have taken that away while I was working hard for that, I wouldn't have the same perspective that I have on it now, you know, as an adult who's had a job for a while. And I just, I try to put myself in the shoes of him where he doesn't want to be in Cincinnati. This was a waypoint in his career. And the frustration of he signed with a different GM and a different manager where presumably they had a different idea or they told him a different thing than maybe what Chris Albright is telling him now, where Chris Albright pressure to win and right. pressure to recoup value doesn't want to lose this. And so I try, if he is mad and this all goes out the window, if he doesn't come back and he just pouts the entire time, I'll shit on this dude from here until <laughs> August. But as of right now, as long as it's something where we can all eventually move on, I'm going to give him a little bit of grace because this probably sucks from his point of view. And yeah, I get needing to clear your head and I get needing to just get away from the situation for a second to remind yourself that this isn't the end of the world, because for me at his age, it probably would have been the end of the world. Well, you know, I, I actually think that it's going to end up being for the better for him because I don't think that I don't think the forest move was no. was that good of a move and for a couple of reasons, you know, uh, one, it being just alone to the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, if they're if they're relegated or they decide they don't want to play him, he misses Oof. out. So let's say let's say they don't want to play him. Right. He misses out on, on a whole half season of games and then ends up back in Cincinnati in the summer, you know, back at back at square one with his with his value. Uh, depressed right yeah um alternatively if even if he does okay right um there's still the chance to get relegated and he ends up back in cincinnati in the summer and they have to find another deal for him right but and but the the other reason is i'm not convinced he gets a work permit all right so here's the bright here's the bright side to bring it back around is that this is all completely fine if what i consider to be the most likely outcome of this happens and that's that brenner gets his head on straight comes back angry and plays angry that you know what if he spends six months here pissed off and he channels that and funnels that into i am going to going to absolutely fuck every opposition that i have to get out of this town that i hate and to move please. on with my career, please, please, <laughs> by all means, I don't care what fuels you as long as what fuels you pushes the ball into the back <laughs> of the goal repeatedly. Right. I I do think we can get a good Brenner out of this. And again, like our perception of this story now will change depending on where this ends up right if Brenner never rejoins the team and decides to Carson Palmer it and just sit out then yeah like that absolutely sucks that that hamstrings the team 
in more ways than one there because uh, he also occupies a very valuable roster spot. Well, the other thing, the other thing too, Kevin, this is to your, to you actually, is that this, the interesting part of this story, the Brenner story that I, that I'm finding interesting about this is you brought this up a while ago that this is a test for Chris Albright because mm-hmm. Albright hasn't had to deal with players like Brenner before where yeah. there it's a big money transfer of a player that is absolutely just coming to MLS for however long it takes to get elsewhere. And their deal was originally signed with the mutual understanding that, Hey, you come here, you play well for us. We will shine you up and ship you on in your career. And we all win. You help us win some games. We help you get to Europe. Um, Everybody wins here. And that's just not a deal that Albright had to deal with when he was in Philly. He didn't have players like this with, he didn't have players where the price tag on the player was so high that you're kind of in a pickle if they don't perform because ownership doesn't want to take a loss on the player. You've got, you've got to go in and justify this sale to Meg Whitman and Carl Linder, and they might not know much about soccer, but they can read a balance sheet and say, I paid $13 million for this guy. Why are you having me sell him for eleven? when we still have years on the contract to try and recoup the value. And look, he played well last year. He's an ascending value. Hold on to him just a little bit longer in order to recoup this value. That's nothing. Albright never had to deal with that in Philadelphia. And this is, to me, of all the good work he's done to this point, and I've sung the praises of Albright on these airwaves extensively, this, to me, is his first real test of being a big boy GM and being a GM of a club that has assets, has means, and to a large extent, how this plays out is kind of, in my mind, am I wrong about this? Maybe a little preview of maybe what Albright's skill will be in managing these types of salaries in the future and banning these types of players in the future? I think it's a good point, and I think it's... I think it's a good point because I think you, it was made, my you point. made the point. It's your point. It's a good point. <laughs> no, the question is good. Is how do we judge uh, Chris Albright on this? I mean, this is the big test of the big money move for Albright was, hey, you get assets to play with. And with Lucho and Brenner on the books, and then also last year really performing, he hasn't had an opportunity to spend the big bucks on his move. So maybe the guy that he wants to target with $13 million will be seven times the player Brenner, right? Like he finds the next uh, Vinicius Jr. before anybody else does. And that's incredible. And we have a world superstar on our hand or he overspends on a guy that's an obi level that instead of two million dollars we buy obi for seven million dollars because hey i've got more toys to play with now um this is ultimately what's going to define his legacy here is how he manages the higher end of the assets i mean it's the in some ways, it's the great what if question of like, what if Billy Bean had gone to the Red Sox and had been given a massive payroll to play with? Does Moneyball work if you actually have money now? Like, or do you just throw away all those tactics and you just go buy the best players? I think it'll be interesting to see that evolution of Albright. And it will be interesting to see how much of last year was Noonan 
versus Albright. Could Pat Noonan have turned the 2019 FCC team into a mediocre team? Would it be an insane improvement over where they were? Or was that Albright bringing in Miazga and OB and, you know, it, it maintaining Santos. the team in that way? Yeah, Santos is, you Bungie. know, who gets the credit uh, on that? I mean, obviously, they'll always split it, but... Yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting to see where these legacies go here. I mean, Albright's moves were were good, but they were mostly they were mostly floor raising players and, and the, kind of obvious. Like, right? Yeah. You need, like you, they needed a they needed a top quality defensive midfielder, and then if you can get Matt Miazga back in MLS, obviously you get Matt Miazga. Right. But the the offensive trio was already on the team. Right. And that was, you know, Noonan unlocking them however he however he did that. Yeah. Um drafting Celentano. Sure. Let's give him but a But I do there. but I do one of the things I really do appreciate about Chris Albright, however, is how like um because I just saw somebody retweet like this day in Cincinnati history and it had the Adrian Reggaeton signing. <laughs> and um and it's like, you know, when we sign guys who are like depth, they're not like out of contract players from the Turkish second division. Right. <laughs> right. At least they're like, you know, five year MLS veterans. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like people who like have actually like been useful in, in MLS, not just like whoever's agent called uh, Gerard Nijkamp. <laughs> right. And it I think is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of value. Nice. There's a lot of value in making sure that like, if you have to play your backup ride back right back, he's no worse than Ray Gaddis. Right. Right. Um, well, I mean, perfect transition here. Speaking of signing guys that were out of contract to right back, Santiago Arias, huh? What is the situation with this? Uh, there are news reports, I'm gonna call them, out of Colombia, uh, that seem to suggest that we have a verbal agreement with Arias that we will have him under contract this year. Uh, we don't have uh contract obviously signed. I think the club would be more than happy to break their own news there, but it does, <laughs> it does appear to be uh, moving in that direction. Uh, Grayson, we, we talked a little bit about this last week, so I'll ask you your opinion. What, what do you think's going on with this signing? Do you think it becomes a real thing? And if it does, are you excited? Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a done deal, frankly. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there's legacy verified like <laughs> journalist outlets uh, out of, out of South America with, you know, six, seven figure follow follower counts who were saying like, it's a done deal. He's processing um, immigration paperwork. Mm. Uh, so I, uh, I I think it's a done deal, but you know I'm a little. So get you get you excited. I think See, it gets it gets me excited. It's, I, it's I a big mean, resume. Uh, but yeah, big resume. Seems like he should be a clear upgrade on uh, Powell. Um, I think we've talked about it a little bit, right? When you first heard his name, but I would think if he comes in and he's a you know nailed on starter, you get 20 appearances out of him during the season, and um, he's fully healthy going into the playoffs and you, you can start him every playoff game as you're in your best 11. Uh, I would say that's a 
that's a pretty damn good signing. Yeah, especially in it. Yeah, he's with his pedigree. If he's healthy, it's a hell of a signing. I think that it's interesting that this is the kind of signing I would have raised an eyebrow about if Nightcamp would have made it. Yeah, but then again, this probably would have been the big signing of an offseason for Nightcamp. There wouldn't have been other moves going along with this one. So, um, and Nightcamp would have would have given him a million dollar a year contract and not made him take a physical. Right. Yeah. No, we would have been the team for several weeks. Yeah. Like they would have signed him sight unseen because his agent said he can still run and they would have sent him some like grainy 480p video of him jogging. (laughs) And that would have been the basis for signing a contract back when Nightcamp was here. So he's Schrodinger's player at this point. He's the deal is either done or not done depending on, you know, when you're looking, but, yeah, I, I, I assume at this point with the reporting that's going on overseas on this, who's a little probably better plugged into the camps that they would need to know this sort of thing. Um, yeah. I trust that. And I think this deal will be done any day. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if this gets announced tomorrow or we don't hear yeah. about it until right before the season starts. But either way, I expect that he will be in the 18, if not the 11 when the, uh, hey. the season opens. Hey, <laughs> um, and I, I've yeah. seen people I've seen people like kind of speculate on this with. Arias and Mascara both being Colombian. I could not find any like and, and connection. Noonan made, Noonan made that Noonan made that comment about, you know, having a good relationship with Arias's agent, which I still think is a weird comment. And I wish somebody would like ask him about that. But right. if um, only there was a reporter down there. But I couldn't I they don't have like the same public agent. Right. Do you, do, you, um, do you think it's something like where when you say be like some broker or intermediary or somebody who's in common, but like there's nothing. I, I couldn't find anything and I just hate to be like, oh, they're both Colombians, so they must know each other. No, I was about to say, do you think it's one of those things where when you say, uh, so where'd you live? Oh, I used to live in Washington. Oh, do you know Tom Smith? Yeah. He lives yeah, right. He lives down there too. It's like, no, there's 3 million people that live in this town. I, I didn't, they didn't They didn't play for the same club coming up. They never played, you know, on the same. It's a huge age gap. Each other. There's like a yeah. 10, 10 year uh, <laughs> age gap. They don't have the same like main agents. Uh, like we talked about Arias's agent before. He's got the same agent as like Eric Ten Hag, Eric Ten Hag and uh, Pep Guardiola. Right. It's like it, you, uh, work, you work for P&G. Do you know Joe Gonzalez? Like, right. no. What department does he work in? (laughs) Get that a lot where I work. And uh, it's a big company. Um, It does kind of remind me, though, of the time that uh, Yuya Kubo and I have to admit, I don't remember whoever's playing for the Reds. Shogo Akiyama. Yes. Noted bust of an outfielder, Shogo Akiyama. That's why I can't remember him. Uh, They had a meet (laughs) before a game or something. It was like... Like be best friends now, thank you. Like, please stand near each other, hold hands. I don't know. Um, it's like that scene in Animal House where it's like, oh, you guys have a lot to talk about. Then I'm sure. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know what? Sure, if it if it's what helps us get it over the line, so be it. Uh, maybe they can go shopping at Jungle Gyms together and and reminisce and can, about can, the same things. Can, the club cannot record that and not make that content for people. Yeah, you know, why why have why would, something why interesting? Why would you? Why would you? Well, speaking of not <laughs> publishing or posting things, uh the preseason is going on. Uh we've this oh, is wait, actually wait, turning wait, wait, wait. 
Oh, oh, I, I, I just remembered breaking, something that I haven't done. Breaking news. Oh, oh my no, God. It's not breaking. It's not oh, breaking. Okay. Oh, damn it. It's not breaking. Um, what did you say? Brenner's back? No, it's not, it's not, it's not breaking. Um, if there's, uh, I forgot. I don't think we mentioned this when we talked about the agency in the past episode. Uh, Arius does have the same agent as Lacadia. <laughs> it's good so, enough like, there, for me. So there is like a pre-existing relationship with the team there and Ranyan's, but oh no no i'm out <laughs> no. well as long as uh, we did karaoke it'll be okay <laughs> right we did get Ranyan's a sweet coaching gig that he's apparently doing pretty well with so look at us um yeah the preseason's rolling on it uh, what i was about to say before the news broke there uh this is actually turning into like a weirdly uh interesting debate in the discord for us is uh do the preseason results matter uh i contend that if you look strictly at the mls preseason results for fc cincinnati the preseason pretty well dictated how the season went for that particular year anyway the Team's doing okay this preseason, and we're doing uh, we're doing okay. Chief, how do we feel about the uh, the preseason results that you've seen so far? No, I'm on record. I got to stand by my take. Uh, I don't care about preseason results. Now, I get that it's <laughs> I get that it's funny that the uh, what was it 2019? I, I think it was 21. 21, where the kit man for Louisville scored on us. Like yes. their version of Nate from Ted Lasso actually netted a goal against us, which was <laughs> not optimal. But 2019, we lost the uh, Carolina Challenge Cup, I think, to Charleston Battery, which was the not prestigious a prestigious cha- uh, Carolina Challenge Cup. And it's like, no, I, I was, <laughs> I get people were like, wow, we haven't scored against South Florida in a half of soccer. And then we went back and beat them like four to nothing, three to nothing, something like that. Yeah. No, I just, I don't, I don't care. Especially, I, don't, I especially don't care when we still don't know if Santiago Arias was actually, you know, playing full <laughs> playing. speed or like working to get a contract. And the um, Mascara hadn't arrived and he's going to be a big part of the team this year. And Brenner may or may not have had his head screwed on backwards over missing a Nottingham Forest situation. And Brandon Vasquez is still riding the high from being called into the U.S. men's national team camp. There's so many, there are so many moving parts, especially in a soccer preseason mm-hmm. that I just can't, I can't attribute any real value to it. And you can look in hindsight and be like, oh yeah, we sucked in the preseason and we sucked in the regular season. There must be a correlation there, but just, I don't know. I've watched enough sports elsewhere. I've watched enough baseball preseasons where the pitcher is just getting his work in and gets shelled because he's trying to work on his fastball a little bit. And it's like, oh, God, is something wrong with with Aaron Harang or is something wrong with Matt Latos besides being a psychopath that keeps reptiles as pets? Um, <laughs> um, uh. Real ones, no. Um, no, it's just in the, the NFL preseason is the same way where it's they're not showing anything in the game plan and Joe Burrow's out there to toss for a couple series and they lose the game 41 to 10. That, no bearing whatsoever. Because half the guys in the game are going to be shelling insurance this time a week from now. So, no, I just I, I don't care. I, I just once again, wake me when the regular season starts and we've got our set a lineup all intact and ready to go. Yeah. I don't I don't think you have a bad season or a good season because you had a bad preseason or a good preseason. But I do think that, like. If you can't even in a preseason game, like. 
avoid losing to a lower division team five to one. The reasons that you can't like avoid getting your ass kicked by a lower division team could be very well correlated to the reasons why you suck like during the regular right. season. <laughs> right. um, and I remember a, um, I was listening to a podcast recently with some former uh, U.S. men's national team players. I think it may have been. I think it may have been the one with uh, Charlie Davies and Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. Mm-hmm. And I forget why they were talking about it. Oh, they were talking about the January camp. And they were talking about how, you know, when they would get into training camps, they would sometimes scrimmage like local college teams. Like right. apparently, apparently like Jordan Morris was discovered because yeah. they scrimmaged Stanford. Yes. That's where um, they were. Uh, yeah. Camp. Um, yeah. But, but he said that like, they would kind of always know like, yeah, this game doesn't matter, but if you're not like dominating this college team, you're probably not going to get called into another camp. Right. Right. You get your 75% has to be better than a really bad players. A hundred percent. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I stand by the take that like, I don't know if we lose, to South Florida, <laughs> University of South Florida, to be clear. It's a bad look. It's a bad sign, even if yeah. it's our two team, which are mostly recent college grads. Like they should just literally be bigger, stronger, faster. Maybe yeah. not more skilled, but they should just be bigger players. Um, and I know that they played like a lot of guys out of position in that USF game. Yeah. But I'm still glad they beat them three nothing. <laughs> right. Or, I mean, or they're playing this game in Tampa and everybody was at the Mons Venus a little too late. I mean, right. there, cut that yeah. Tampa comment this week, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> the, the unreleased tapes of, of Tampa right. content is uh right. off the charts. Yeah. No, the uh no, I think that's a good point. Uh but maybe that's the issue, right? Maybe there's a lack of discipline in camp. Maybe the coach can't motivate the players. These could these could all be things. Although I do always go back to the uh the 0 and 16 Lions went undefeated in the preseason that year. <laughs> it's always very funny to me. So Fair enough. I'm just saying I'm traumatized from FCC preseason's past. And so I'm happy to not see the results, but, you know, read the results are going well for us. So that's always good. Uh, I think that's going to do it for FCC news. Do we have any other FCC news we got to get off our chest before off to part two here? No, because it's going to be really funny when you have to cut most of this because Brenner shows up training tomorrow. If he does, he does. All right, part two. We're going a little broader, bigger picture here. Uh, MLS and uh, touch on U.S. men's national team coaching. That'll be in part two. All right, we're back. Part two, a little bigger picture, moving away from FCC, but more to uh, the broader MLS landscape. And, of course, the Apple TV deal, which now has a name. I did not know the name before, by the way, last week when we were recording. It's called the MLS Season Pass is now live. Dozens and, and dozens of minutes spent picking that <laughs> name up in marketing. I don't know what else you could call it. It's fine. Well, I mean, what was the, it the, works. The, the back in the day there was the so there was the NFL Sunday ticket. Wasn't the MLS called like the MLS direct kick or something like that? The Packers <laughs> the game of the games. It was. 
it was MLS Direct Kick, and then I think they shortened it to MLS Direct. Maybe, yeah. I the I last used it as MLS Live. I think is what they called it. That one, I mean, look at the value you get now. That was seventy dollars a season, which is not too far off what you're charging now. And you only got out of market, non nationally broadcast games. So I watched a lot of Seattle and Portland back then. I really, I really <laughs> wish they would have called it the indirect free kick. I don't know. Just that would have been <laughs> like, congratulations. This is a really complicated way to watch soccer. Right. Right. <laughs> the, they could, they could the, have called it like MLS discovery. Oh, discovery. <laughs> oh, wait. Would MLS discovery also feature a Mary Sue as the lead character that just became more unlikable during the show's run? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about discovery rights, but no, I you went yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. When in doubt, go home with the joke. <laughs> oh, I mean, MLS Discovery is a great name for the MLS Next Pro. It's a way better name, actually, this. than MLS Next Pro. <laughs> but then you wouldn't be oh able to God. have that like jacked up like font that looks straight out of a Burger oh, King commercial God. from the late 90s. Chief, you're I mean, to keep the Tampa content rolling, what's worse, that font or the alarm clock uh, jerseys from the Buccaneers? Oh, the alarm clock jerseys always went out. Like, that's the worst. They were the worst things ever. Just everything about those jerseys makes me irrationally angry. That, And they tried to sell this pile of shit to the fan base by saying, no, it's like if the pirates had swords and they were carving numbers on the side oh, of the boat. No, they used, they it's didn't. like, yeah, no, it's it looks like an alarm <laughs> clock, man. It just looks like everyone overslept for practice, which amusingly is how they played in those jerseys for the entire time they were wearing them. <laughs> Like it, it demotivated like, them. My personal hell when I get sent there eventually will be nothing but watching Jameis Winston games on repeat with him wearing that awful alarm clock jersey, just tossing interception after interception to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, um, pirates do have a long affiliation with uh, alarm clocks. Because oh, I'm thinking yeah. of like Captain Hook in the in the in the crocodile. You know how the, the clock uh, like tick. That's like oh, that's yeah. like kind of, that's like kind of a cool idea, right? Where it's like, oh, he hears like the TikTok before he hears the crocodile, so except, he knows it's coming. Except in this version, <laughs> it would be because they're a digital alarm clock font. It would just be making that like really shrill noise that every RCA alarm clock made back in the late '80s, early '90s, with the wood grain on it. Yes. <laughs> also, I just realized that The Last of Us stole that from the Captain Hook crocodile. Oh, hearing no. the hearing the clicking. Of the of the thing is prowling around the corner. <laughs> I was watching Peter Pan earlier today. I don't know why that was more top of my mind. Uh, fantastic. Everybody loves that scene in Peter Pan where he has to hide from a fungal infected zombie for fear of being killed and eaten alive. <laughs> it's a wholesome family movie that way. Actually, that would be probably more appropriate for kids to watch than the Indian scene in that movie. We, we fast forwarded. I'm not gonna lie. I fast forwarded through that bit there. It's like we don't we don't need to have this in your brain. Uh oh, the content's out of Rebel TV. No Peter Pan, but actually a decent amount of content. I it is mostly surface level, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but there is a lot of content out there. My favorite bits of this, I I, I think we should do a little bit of content review here. I love the player profiles. It's nice to finally get some player profiles 
profiles across the league as well. It's interesting to see like who does Colorado highlight as their top players and who does Philadelphia highlight as their top players. Uh, as much as I am a fan of FCC and MLS, I'm not 100% familiar with every player. So I thought that was I thought that was useful. Anything else catch either of your guys' eye? I liked the player. I liked the player profiles. I think they should make Noonan do stuff like that more often because he clearly hates it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I would like one uh, for Noonan to do one of those like uh, GQ or wired like autocomplete interviews or the uh, 10 things I can't live without type thing. I, I need oh, to pry no, no. more I into want, his I brain. Want, no, I want more Pat Noonan content where he's visibly upset at having to be there. Like we're here with Pat Noonan <laughs> to learn his way to order a cheesesteak at Penn Station. And he's just got a scowl on his face the entire time. No, he doesn't scowl. He has that like. He has that kind of he has that little smile, but it's like a kind of disdainful like smile. Right, the, yeah, the, yeah. I'm thinking about, here. Thanks. Like, yeah, like, thanks. I'm thinking of three places I can put the knife so I can get out of here. Like the yeah. easiest way I could stab you and leave. I don't want to kill you, but I want to stab you well enough that this interview ends and this this pre-produced content package ends. <laughs> I I yeah, I think he would be I Coaches' profiles would be nice to have on the platform. Maybe that comes out. I don't know if there's supposed to be like, and maybe we'll find out tomorrow. I don't know if there's supposed to be a dedicated day where new content drops. I don't know what exactly I was expecting, but I thought maybe something new might be added. I I don't know what I was (laughs) expecting, but like, I guess the word is I was whelmed. I was either overwhelmed or underwhelmed. It was very whelming. Um, and the, the big thought I had was, wait, we were waiting for this. I mean, it was nice, but in the amount of time they had, they could have done a player profile on literally every player on the roster. I mean, there is nothing stopping them from doing a lot of this stuff, just other than... Maybe that's coming, yeah. I, I don't know. Well, but then aren't you they see... supposed to do a player profile every week? Isn't that like one of the requirements where they get fined? Oh, shit. It's going to be like with uh, with Jonah and FCC Survivor, where there's just not enough weeks. Where there's too many weeks, and you're eventually going to vote everyone off the off the island at some point. Oh, that's when you start scraping the FCC2 barrel. That's what happens there. Like, you're doing a profile of the guy that runs the Twitter account. You're doing a profile of the guy in, like, marketing that's selling in club suites. I'm excited to find out there. I am excited to find out like what Jim Curtin's favorite vapes are. <laughs> he just, I just assume he, I just assume he vapes. He does. <laughs> it's a fair assumption. I think is, he's is a, the cool manager. <laughs> he's a dude that definitely got mad when they got rid of like the flavored vapes because yeah. they were enticing <laughs> the kids. He was a big cotton candy vape guy. <laughs> mango was somehow a sophisticated flavor i don't know uh, I was, just, was i the only one yeah. that was expecting it's, it's apple tv it's a company that's you know renowned for creativity and like they make the creative suite of you know final cut pro logic all this shit was i the only one that was expecting some more flash like hey do some more interesting stuff other than like all this content they produced th- this you know, instead of meetings that could have been an email, this was Apple TV content that could have been released to YouTube. None of this was. Yeah. Was I the only one that was that was it, it, I was expecting something different, maybe? I mean, a lot of it is scraped from 
MLS's YouTube channel. So all of the match highlights are from MLS YouTube. The season review video, which is very good. I think it's the most underutilized piece of content uh, MLS puts out as a weekly, you know, match of the day style review of the week. And then they did a big 45 minute season long one. Uh, those would get posted on YouTube and get like a thousand views. And it was the best content that they made. Uh, all of FCC stuff is taken from nonstop flight. Like yeah, that well, wasn't is, a player yeah. interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I imagine the other teams were sitting on something as well. And I, I completely agree. I think this is interesting, though. There hasn't been a place where all of this lives in one spot that you don't have to go to the Houston Dynamo YouTube channel to go watch this. You don't have to go track down this website or this released, you know, made for TV movie in FCC's case, which I don't believe is available anywhere. You might be able to pay to rent it from Amazon or something, but it is nice to have everything live in one spot and kind of work as a seamless playlist if you just start watching fcc stuff but, but here's the here's the problem though is that this has to replace theoretically all other coverage of mls because as soon as they go behind apple they're not going to be on sports center they're right. not going to have like a studio show somewhere on like fox sports one or anything like that they're going to be out of sight out of mind for the most part and the appeal of apple tv at least to me as a fan was that oh don't worry about it we have our own platform now that's dedicated to all this content and all this stuff. The NFL doesn't need to have a dedicated platform like this. They do because they're the NFL <laughs> right. and they have NFL network, <laughs> but they've got six studio shows on ESPN a week that cover the NFL. They've yeah. got, you know, any number of outside media sources and in MLS, they just don't have that. So if the sales pitch of Apple TV was, oh, this will be a way for us to tell our story and get this information out to the fans. I'm not filled with a lot of confidence that that's what they're going to use this platform for. I'm especially not convinced that there's a lot of hope for this. When you see floating around the ether on Twitter, memos that were sent out by the league talking about financial penalties for uh, teams that don't comply with the bare minimum requirements under the right. Apple TV contract. Like they're already talking about how to do the least amount of work possible to fulfill their contractual obligations to Apple TV. And I mean, from what I've seen, it doesn't look like they're being asked to do a ton. Yeah. It's yeah. like a, it's like a player profile, like a game preview. And I think pre and post game press conferences. It's like and a monthly two team recap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 basically as minimal as that, which is stuff that you would think somebody would already be doing if right. they were trying to get people to, you know, follow their product. But again, it's like not necessarily what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, without these contractual requirements. So, so, so like, which, to, yeah. to put this into perspective, I would not go if there were not games on Apple TV. If they were just saying we are launching as part of a partnership with MLS, the mm. MLS channel on Apple TV, where all this content lives, I'd never go here. There's absolutely nothing so far that would lead me to want to click and spend time on this. Or if I did, I would go once and I'd never go back. Um, yeah, I just it just feels like it's like 
I was, it feels like such a wasted opportunity to, and like they, they say this in business and in, in life, you only get one chance to make a good first impression. If it's me and you want to, you've got fans that are up in arms about having to pay for Apple TV. You've got some skepticism of how the deal is going to go. This is a shot to reintroduce your league and do something really different and announce your presence with authority into the digital age. And this just, it felt like a, like a, a stale fart. Just, okay, this is the best you had to cook up with all this time? Yeah, so I think it will get better. I yeah. do, like, I honestly was not expecting anything at all. Like, I, they, they like this last of February 1st. I'm like, oh, great. Like, there's no game till the end of the month, so I'll check in. I'll check in then. So when people said that there was anything on there, I was yeah. like, well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll watch a video of Brandon Vasquez, you know, talking about uh you know growing up by the mexican border or whatever yeah but um but i do think it will get better i mean the good news is that there are going to be games there so there's going to be a reason for people to go um i think that they didn't either didn't have the 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 personnel to really like release this you know to put like you know, I don't know, like WandaVision in the can before you, <laughs> right? Before you release Disney Plus, but um, but well, you did. Thing? They had the time. When did they sign and this they deal? But FC Cincinnati lost like literally everybody who produces things for them. Well, hire someone. I mean, yeah, yeah. but you have they to hire have, somebody first. They didn't have the league wide talent until like three weeks ago. I mean, they've so, known this. They've known yeah. this deal was coming since the summer. Like. And you know there's going to be content requirements. They might not have known exactly what the content requirements are, but they knew there were content requirements. Like, why don't you have two team employees that are hosting a a weekly podcast that's just recorded and it's on video and it's just a Jalen and Jacoby thing from some room at TQL Stadium? Like, why don't you have every day, why aren't you recording 90 seconds of sound with Pat Noonan? Pat, talk about what you liked in training today. Pat, who's impressing you in training today? And you could have dropped all of that content and been updating it daily for giving people a reason to show back up. You could have had a player profile on every person that's on the team. Just have them come in, talk about themselves for 30 seconds and upload that or two minutes and upload that. Like I understand that content is tough to produce. Believe me, I get how hard it is to edit video and do all this, but you've, this really feels like the old Brian Regan bit about not realizing the science fair was due until that morning and you go outside and you get a cup of dirt this is a cup of dirt that they went and they dug up yeah. for their project and it just i if this is your first offering i just yeah. don't have any faith it's going to get better in the middle of the season because there will always be an excuse to not do better content and the easiest excuse will be um well the season's going on the games are our content it's it's just it's a waste this is just feels like a another wasted opportunity for mls and apple yeah, and I've I listened to allocation disorder. I don't last week, week before, I don't know. And they were talking about how there was supposed to be some, you know, like studio show. Yeah. Um, but apparently that might not happen this year because they don't have the studio for that built yet. Oh, um, come on. They can use the on. extra time stadium for the studio. So God, Jesus I, like, Christ. Like, yeah, like I think they 
You can they, rent studio space. They probably should have more. I don't know how they're going to like let us know when they put new stuff on, or they're just going to expect us to check every right. week. Yeah. Fuck but, this. Like Jonah can produce a two-minute KLR basement news with a green screen. <laughs> he painted on his own wall at his house. You can figure <laughs> this out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, disagree. I don't disagree with you, but I think that all we can really hope for if we want this thing to, like, I mean, I don't, as, as long as Apple pays the money, like, I don't know that I care all that much, like, if it, like, quote-unquote works out for them. I mean, I do, like, right. kind of kind of minimally care, but I obviously don't have, like, skin in the game on it. But we're here for 10 years, baby. Win or lose. The, <laughs> but to the, extent, to the extent you want it to be better, I do think that, like, the optimistic way to view it is, you know, they can still get their shit together in over the next year. Yeah. And if, you know, eventually it's a really good site and a really good product, you know, maybe that will then start to yeah. start to draw more people and start to get more engagement. I mean, I'm not saying like that would have been my approach to this rollout. <laughs> But I feel right. like that's I feel like I feel like that has to be if we're if we're gonna like have some hopes for it, just an optimism for it, that has to be um uh how how we how we think about it. Yeah. And Chief, just the the counter argument to your point is MLS wasn't getting on Sports Center anyway. Yeah. So wow. a second on Apple is already you know, starting to lap ESPN. So we'll see. I mean, if they pull off a whip around show on the weekends and a studio show that say publishes twice a week, uh, I think I think it'll be a net win overall. Um, but yeah, I I think I was hoping for a little bit more as well. I agree. Um so here's 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 a fun bit though. While we're, we're a little underwhelmed with this product, Apple is also making demands of the league that they get more playoff inventory to sell <laughs> this lovely this lovely all, lovely platform. All, always uh, a great <laughs> demand to make after you've signed the deal. <laughs> I As far as we can tell, MLS seems to really be heading towards a decision that will put uh, the top eight teams, seven teams in the playoffs with teams eight and nine in each conference into a play-in game to make up the eighth spot for each team in or for, for all the teams in the in each conference for a one through eight best of three series to start the playoffs and then single elimination go. from then on. I mean <laughs> what happened to why group, not what happened to the group stage play we were kicking around over the fall? Did that just go away? I, I like that. That this that seems would to be have, so much better. Yeah. <laughs> this seems to be where they've where they've where they've uh, gravitated toward for whatever it's, reason. It's the worst playoff format I've what, ever well, all right, heard. So no, it, what's worse? Is, it, is this format the worst or the fact that we are 18 days away from the season and they still haven't decided <laughs> what the playoff format is? That's, is that the that's worst? That's actually the worst. I mean, think about it. We were literally talking about managing Arias's minutes for a playoff run. A three-game stretch at the end of the year radically influences how you're going to manage, you know, load manage him the rest of the season. Okay. So here's my thing. 
I think MLS shouldn't announce the playoff format until decision day. <laughs> I think we should play the entire season and like every this. team in both conferences should have no idea, A, how many teams are making it in, B, how the seating is going to be determined, and C, what the format is for how playoffs are going to be handled. So on decision day, unless you are number one, there is absolutely no guarantee <laughs> that you are making the playoffs or what the playoffs look like when you get there. Or oh, I would God. float out a trial balloon a week earlier and say, uh, maybe we just pick all of the even-numbered teams in the Eastern Conference and they all go to the playoffs. <laughs> so sorry if you're one in three, you don't go. Oh, decision day would be wild. You had and teams so then, like trying to score against themselves. And so on, deci <laughs> on decision day, on decision day, they play all the games. They kick them all off at 3.30 as usual. And then we immediately cut to a live special on Apple TV. With Don, <laughs> Garber, <laughs> Don Garber comes out and he like pulls an envelope out like the fucking set bladder. Oh, they don't even know. The they don't format. even know. I love that. They pull the envelope out and it determines what has been determined for the MLS playoffs. Um, I do. So I was you, when you proposed this on Twitter today, I kind of liked it. And what I liked about it was like, you know, I wrote about this on the post that like morons like to call like American sports uh, socialists because of things like mm -hmm. salary caps and revenue sharing, um, even though that's just right. like cartel profit maximizing behavior. Right. Um, Guilds have been a thing for a long time. <laughs> but uh, uh, I do think that like this is something that actually is kind of uh, does have like, I guess, uh, socialist qualities where it's like this unclear incentives. And there's kind of like arbitrary black box rules that change <laughs> on a moment's notice that people don't even know. No, no, from an elected party. Yes. It's <laughs> just like a board kind of secretly rulemaking. And people just kind of have to hope that they can that they're conforming to whatever people have decided are the rules today. And also, what is more what's more American too than making the rules up as you go along? Like we're the country yeah, that invented sure. the comic strip that invented Calvin Ball. Um we <laughs> What's more American than on Monday Night Raw, Vince McMahon comes down and changes the stipulation of the match mid-match to make it a no-holds-barred match so that Stone Cold can get hit with a steel chair and lose? This is <laughs> the, like, the independent state legislature theory. Yes. Well, that's this it. Is, yeah, we're it. just... You, we can have... with, you can go with legislatures. I'll go with Vince McMahon. We, can, <laughs> we are not the same. We have these established rules. But they're more guidelines, right? So we know we need a postseason in the if abstract. If you don't like the outcome, if LA Galaxy missed the playoffs, you can always change the playoffs week of. Make sure right. we get uh, right. Make sure we get Ricky Puge in there. Right. Just if, if, uh, the yeah. MLS Eastern Conference will send their own slate of playoff electors <laughs> to MLS <laughs> to overturn the decision made by the rest of the league. I love the idea of Columbus Crew just showing up at Red Bull Arena with FCC and demanding to play the game instead of us. Or, or no, is that the, the, um, the envelope gets drawn and it turns out all teams with more than three vowels in their name are, are disqualified from playing. Oh, oh and chaos. So, and distinct so vowels. Distinct vowels, yeah. You no, three no wise. Vowels. No wise. We don't, we don't count wise in here. Oh, um, true. Who would that fuck? That would fuck um, New York. Yeah, we're help New York. Oh, so it's perfect. We we're helping New York by doing this. It's okay. Yes. Um, but then, can you imagine if they 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 pull the envelope and then immediately a team sues because 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes. we're going to litigate this. We're going to call a press conference at Four Seasons Total Landscaping to announce our lawsuit against MLS for excluding us from the playoffs based on the draw of their rigged envelope system. So <laughs> under the yeah. under the MLS CBA, the the league had the league like reserves to itself um, exclusive authority over uh, playoff format is contained in the management rights clause in the collective bargaining agreement. Sure. I do. I do wonder if like they change <laughs> the playoffs every year and they add like, you know, 13 additional games at the end of every season and they're adding all these competitions. If the union at some point is like, Hey, we can't play like a hundred games a year, man, unless or, you want to like expand rosters. And <laughs> the MLS that's a regu- great point. The MLS, MLS regular should- season is three games. And at the yes, end of three yes, games, yes. every team that has more than one point qualifies for the playoffs. And the playoffs are a hundred <laughs> games played every right. other day. Right, right. That's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what you do. And there's there's fuckers <laughs> dropping dead because they played on a Monday and they play again on Tuesday morning. <laughs> Apple said we needed more games. Get back out there, buddy. <laughs> I I Eat mean, an orange, t- you loser. Come on, we can do this. <laughs> To be, uh, to be, uh, you know, fiercely pro lottery here. I think your win percentage should just be your percent chance of making it in in a random lottery. But they do a random draw for the uh, for the playoffs. So even if you're dead last, you have a whatever half a percent chance of actually making it into the playoffs. I think that would be good. Yeah, it seems fair. Yeah, I mean, you're just but, giving yourself the best chance to make it to right. the postseason. It's like going right? to Harvard doesn't entirely entirely to success. It just gives you a better chance. Right. Yeah, win a lot achieve, of games, you got a really good chance of making the playoffs. And you can achieve most of that same. just by buying a Harvard sweatshirt and wearing it around. Yeah. <laughs> um, so George here's Santos the real style. Uh, you know, man's a congressman. It's working for him. Christ, <laughs> fake it till you make it. Quite literally. Um, so is there any requirement that the playoff format be settled before the season starts? Like legitimately? I no. mean, I imagine at some point CONCACAF or FIFA might get involved, but I I don't think so. Yeah, so there's not one in the um I I'm, I'm certain that there's not one in the CBA. There might be something in like the competition um the competition committee guidelines. Yeah, because uh, because I think the comp- the competition committee is voting on it like this week or next week. So I so vote I do on think, it. I I do think it will be picked before the season starts. Vote on it. Put it in the envelope. <laughs> yeah, and lock the envelope up until decision day. There you go. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, so with the with the playoff thing though, the thing that kind of annoyed me was the people coming out against playoff expansion and being like, oh. There's too many teams in the playoffs. It devalues the regular season. Um, people aren't going to care about these games. And there was most of that, that goon with the self-serious black and white avatar that worked for Cincinnati back in the day. Yeah, but there's lots of other people saying that. And then um, that kind of dovetails, I think, with a common pro, pro-rel argument that like yeah. pro, pro-rel makes more games matter. And people say it a lot. And I just feel like, how would you prove that so like i took a look yeah. at i took a look at the la- just the last day of the season for mls in the premier league last year okay okay no this is good this is research and and i ignored uh european places because that's playoffs and right. i wanted to just compare 
um, a pure playoff system against like a pure pro rel system, yeah. right? Pure table system, and see how many. So there were like four games in the last day of the Premier League season that either had uh, trophy uh, implications or relegation implications. Yeah. Every game, the last day of MLS, had playoff, except for two, had playoff implications. Either whether teams are going to qualify for the playoffs or not, or whether or what what seed uh, mm. team teams are going to teams are going to be. You know whether they're going to be home field, all that. Night. So I don't know. Like that's not scientific, obviously, but like you're not eliminated from the playoffs until pretty late in the year, even if you're really bad. So there is a reason to follow every week of the season for nearly every team. All right, this is going to hurt me real bad, so I'm going to say it and just get it over with. So Alexi Lawless made a great point today. Um, (laughs) And it was one I never thought about before when talking about promotion and relegation and playoffs. So to your point, Grayson, there are a lot of teams with a lot to play for because of playoffs and expanded playoffs. And what's, what's great about that is that in almost every situation, when you're playing for playoffs and seeding and spots like that, the incentive is to win the match and go all out for wins. And so yeah. much of a relegation fight is just grinding results out, getting mm-hmm. a point, getting a draw, Because in most of these relegation fights, the difference between 17th place or the relegation zone 18th place and 17th place is a point or two. So there's incentive for a team like Bournemouth or Leeds to play negative soccer, bunker, try to nick a 1-0 result or a 1-1 result. Whereas in MLS, there's every incentive for every team to go for it every week and just absolutely balls to the wall. We're trying to make a playoff push. Um, and there's no real penalty like there is in relegation of like, oh my God, my club's future is impacted financially forever. If we don't get the point, we may as well try to win the game. Yeah. Just it's a more exciting a playoff chase is more exciting than a relegation battle because it's exciting to see teams trying to win versus try watching teams try not to lose. And that mm-hmm. may seem stupid. But it's Alexi Lawless, so a stupid point's probably the best we're going to do with him. And I thought it was a great way to look at things as to why playoff soccer specifically is just more fun to watch. Playoff chases are more fun to watch than relegation battles. I'm sorry. The quality of the play is better. The excitement is better. And I can watch a game that's a playoff chase game and not feel a sense of existential dread for the fan base that's about to lose their club, the potentially receivership, because they're so financially impacted by what happens. (laughs) And, you know, playoffs are fun. Like, yes. it is fun to make the playoffs. Yeah. If you're the last team in the playoffs, it's very exciting, right? To anticipate yeah. to anticipate your, your next playoff game. Then who knows? You know, like, it's, it's, an, it's an exciting leading up to the match. The match is usually exciting. And here's, um, here's another... I don't know why people hate playoffs so much. Here's another big thing, is that when teams make the playoffs... People hop on the bandwagon because it's exciting to root for a playoff yeah. team. The number of people who are Bengals fans has tripled in the last couple of years because it's just fun to be a Bengals fan. Even if like you 
don't follow football or you have another team that you root for, everyone's still hopping on the Bengals train because it's been exciting to be a part of that. No one's hopping on the Bournemouth train to try and see if they stave off relegation. No one's hyping <laughs> on the Brighton Hove and Albion train to point. see if like they can manage to stay up. That's not exciting. You don't want to be a part of that. And the other thing is like if you're talking to somebody who doesn't follow FC Cincinnati, but just they know that there's a soccer team and maybe they know that you're a fan of it because they're your coworker or um, you know, your dad or something. And they're like, you know, is, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, oh, is, they're like, uh, how, how's FC doing? They can make the playoffs. Like that's like that's right. like basically like the question you get, right? So you want right. to be able to say like, yes, they're going to make the playoffs. You don't you don't want to answer it be like, well, it's not really like a playoff system because it's more like a table based system. But they are they are also in like two different cup competitions, and really there's like four <laughs> different ways they could qualify for Concacaf <laughs> Champions League. And that's really fun because they play like teams from Honduras and Ecuador for two months. And then maybe they'll play a team from Mexico one time. Like, it's just like. My person has already walked away from this conversation and <laughs> right. left you talking. It's, it's very, it's just so much more easier to explain to somebody, you know, they're going to make the playoffs or, hey, there's a playoff game coming up. Like people, yeah. people get that. Like the League's Cup and stuff, like that's, you know, your mileage may vary on that. But like, if you want to draw local people into a bandwagon on the team the way to get there is playoffs and so you've now brought me to my my favorite point about this new format where i understand people don't like it you know what i love about this format it's that in a best of three series there's a guaranteed home match for every team in the playoffs which means that no matter what happens no matter where you finish you get to go watch playoff soccer for your team you might have to win two road matches or win a road match in order to, to advance but can you imagine last season if after that year that we would have had at least one home playoff game with FC Cincinnati? I almost would have traded that for winning and losing to Philly. Like if you gave me a choice of going out in the first round, but I got a home playoff game versus advancing on the road and playing Philly, that's almost a 50-50 draw to me in terms of like what I would rather have. Because a home playoff match at TQL Stadium at night last year would have been yeah. electric. Would have been awesome. I will say I I don't hate what they're trying to do here. I hate how they're doing it. So I like the idea of every team in the playoffs hosting a game. You can do that by just doing a home and away leg, top eight teams. Everybody gets to host. You don't need they, to the, do a third game. That. Like the results but, were terrible. But just for the first round. After that, top seed hosts and you do single elimination. If you do that, you end up with the same number of games that MLS is trying to get out of this setup. And I don't think a single game play in makes sense. Jonah made this point in the Discord as well. It's like baseball plays whatever it is, 162 games for a season. It comes down to one game at the end for the wild card. It's like, well, then what the fuck did you do all of that for? I hate the idea of a single play in game after a long season. Just especially when top eight, especially when Johnny Cueto keeps dropping a baseball in front of Pirates fans. They chanted his name and it broke him and you could watch his career end. <laughs> it Tough. was rough. Tough. I hate I hate a, the eight, nine play in game one off thing. That's silly. Make the last two teams play for the wooden spoon. 
that's way more fun. Uh, if you need like a needless playoff game that nobody asked for, have the worst Western Conference and worst Eastern Conference team play to avoid the wooden spoon officially. That this would my, be more fun. This was also my idea for the NFL that the week before wildcard weekend, they should have a special edition of Thursday Night Football where the worst two teams play and the winner gets the number one overall pick. Do it, do it an inverse playoff with the bottom six teams, four teams, where if you lose, you advance and you try to, or in this case, you win uh, to get to it. But I, I always like the idea of a, a reverse loser tournament where if you lose, you advance and you, you lose all your way to the first place or to the, uh, the top overall pick or whatever it is. I just run for a safety every time. Right. Oh, yeah, that could be a fucking blast. <laughs> uh, but no, you could do something interesting like that if you needed your relegation simulator, right? The bottom four teams are fighting for the top MLS draft pick or whatever, um, or their draft pick doesn't count against the salary cap or something along those lines. Um yeah, I don't know. I just I think the best of three with a play in game is just the worst version of this. Whatever this is, this is the worst version of it. So I'm into it. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, I mean, this is MLS news as much as it is U.S. men's national team news. Jesse Marsh is fired. And so Twitter has already appointed him to the head coach of the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I think it's weird that U.S. soccer fans get excited when an American coach fails overseas because then it means they can be a national team manager. I think it's a weird place to be. They were doing the same thing with uh, whoever it was in Germany, uh, the uh, the Italian American um, who was fired. He's, he's going to be uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo is going to be hired at Hoffenheim. He is like, going to be hired like, at Literally, like any day now, he's going to be yes. the new manager of Hoffenheim. But, like, people were excited he was fired from Stuttgart because they were like, oh, great, this is our next national team manager. Like, what the fuck's the matter with you people? So, Jesse Marsh is out, obviously, at Leeds. So, obviously, he's coming to the U.S. men's national team, right, Chief? No. <laughs> why, why, why are we trying to make this happen? <laughs> I why? don't. I hate the idea of it. No, I don't that, know like, if that was clear. <laughs> um, why, why are we enamored with Jesse Marsh? I don't understand. I haven't understood this since the fall. Because like, he, he did good in Europe. Because he played. He beat Chelsea once. Great. Everyone beats Chelsea this year. Um, <laughs> he has the number 17 overall roster spend, and his team is in 17th place. Congratulations. He is doing exactly what is expected of him. He is neither overachieving nor underachieving. And he got canned in the Premier League because his team's about to get relegated. Like, what did he do that was so great here in the United States? He he was a decent manager at Red Bull. Why, why would we think... Supporter Shield, I think, but yeah. Sure, yeah. Caleb Porter won MLS Cup. And how'd that work? Not Caleb Porter. Um, oh. Fuck, Greg Berhalter won no, MLS... Didn't he? He lost no. in MLS Cup. Okay, so Caleb he went... Porter did win MLS Cup. Okay. Well, that's probably your so next. Careful. That's, what, that's your yeah. next U.S. Men's National Team manager, right there. <laughs> Don't put that out there. <laughs> no, but like, there's not a lot of daylight between Greg Berhalter and Jesse Marsh in my mind. The only difference is, is that Greg Berhalter wasn't invited over to Europe to fail. Like, yeah. uh, actually, Greg Berhalter was invited over to Europe to fail. Uh, oh. He coached. He coached Hammerby in the Hammerby, Swedish in the was. Swedish second, divi second division. 
noted for, uh, noted soccer power, noted soccer powerhouse um, Hammerby Sweden. Wait well, a are, second. Actually, to be clear, hang on, hang on. Hammerby is the powerhouse in Sweden. They're absolutely right. in the first division. Yeah, they so. are. But when Greg coached them, they were in the second division. Were they really? Yeah, yeah. But Sweden so, would be egalitarian like that. So a little, a little, a little back, a little background on 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 Hammerby for people that don't know. Which would um, be everyone, but yeah, continue. <laughs> they are they are a really big team in Sweden. Um, they are owned by AEG, uh, yes. which owns which owns uh, LA, LA Galaxy and a bunch of other sports teams too. And um, at one point, half of MLS. Yeah, that's true. At one point, they owned like half of MLS. Um, they are also co-owned by Zlatan, and. Uh, <laughs> Yes. One I, of the I retract one, my cynicism. These have all been fun facts. One of the like <laughs> secret things, or at least I don't know that this has been like officially admitted. Yes. One of the secret things to getting Zlatan to sign uh, a TAM deal with LA Galaxy was, you know, after a couple <laughs> years later, he was gifted basically a big portion, like, like, a, like a substantial minority stake in yeah. Hammerby. Uh, which obviously you know Slatten's uh, Swedish and they're God, like what a missed opportunity. What a missed opportunity. They could have they could have given him a, a franchise in MLS. Can you mention Zlatan as an owner of an MLS club? Oh Jesus Christ. That, that would be incredible. <laughs> oh my uh, here's, God. Here's the fun thing about about Hammerby specifically. Hammerby's big rival is Malmo, which is the club that Zlatan actually came up with in the yeah. youth ranks. It's like yeah. his club. So he owns his rival's club. <laughs> so um, what a flex. So yeah. when, <laughs> when Greg coached at Hammerby, they were in the second division. Okay. They had pretty substantially the most expensive team in the league, and he failed to promote them. Um, <laughs> in well, he didn't get all the way through his second try because he got fired halfway through the season when they were like decidedly mid-table and were not, you know, ultimately promoted that year, but. Um, so, you know, Jesse has been better than Greg, or he has a more impressive European resume than Greg. I agree with everything Chief said, though, that, like, yeah, I don't think by any means Jesse should be handed the job, and I don't necessarily want another uh, system-rigid manager coaching the national team. I would like to see some some foreign candidates considered, but I would, but what I would say in Jesse's defense is if you're dismissing Jesse out of hand, then you really shouldn't want Burhalter to come back. I don't. And right. I know. I'm not <laughs> okay. saying, I'm not saying okay. anybody here all does. Right, I'm right, saying right, like, fine. like folks, you know, if, if you're dismissing Jesse out of hand, then like you shouldn't want Greg back because there's no reason to believe Greg's a better manager than Jesse. And then, frankly, another person I've seen people mention is Bielsa. Oh. When, when Bielsa was fired from Leeds, he was getting 0.88 points per match that year. Jesse finished the year with 1.25 points per match with the same players. He was fired this year with 0.9 points per match, which basically the same as what, what Bielsa was doing last year. But the difference between Leeds this year and last year is between those two seasons, Leeds sold their two best players to Barcelona and Manchester City. And 
didn't replace right. them. I'm not I'm like I'm not like I don't want to go overboard defending Jesse because again, I I am not at all sold on the idea that he should be the next U.S. men's national team manager. But um, I do think that I've seen, at least on on Twitter, which is not real life, I guess, I've seen a lot of people like really go hard at Jesse. And I think if you're going to go really hard at Jesse, then, then names like Bielsa or, or Greg shouldn't get you excited either. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's an annoying situation because it feels like it's inevitably going to be Jesse Marsh or Caleb Porter or Chris Armis. Like, I just don't trust U.S. soccer to go outside of their comfort zone or apparently their absurdly small budget is another thing that has suddenly popped up is that everybody knows that U.S. soccer won't spend on this. Like at one point, U.S. soccer got Jurgen Klinsmann when that was like a good get. Like he's made like five times as much as Greg makes. Yeah. And they were still paying him off up until like not that long ago. Um, So maybe that's why they're gun shy. But yeah, there are any number of international candidates who have experience with domestic talent and European based superstars and whatever else that would be solid options. I saw one tweet that linked Jose Mourinho to the job. And I want to, I want to will that into existence with every fiber of my being. That would still be the most entertaining. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If we're not going to win the I world mean, cup, at least give me like a lot of fireworks. <laughs> Him and uh, Pep Guardiola have both expressed interest in the past in managing the U S men's national team. Um, but Pep makes like one... $20 million a year or something yeah. in Manchester city. You're not, <laughs> well, you're not doing well, that. Well, <laughs> for now, for now, yeah, <laughs> until and, they pay $40 million to settle this little problem they've got with the football association. It is interesting. I, I, I just want somebody with experience running a national team that has like a pretty good track record. I don't think that's an insane ask, but yeah, like getting an MLS club coach who has had to like deal with college draftees and the occasional $2 million South American player, like is going to have to deal with Gio Reyna and Christian Pulisic. And these guys that are going to bring in massive egos where you don't have salary or anything like that. Like you can fire these guys that afternoon. If you want to, it's a wildly different, position and i really don't like the idea of handing that over on this particular tournament to a newbie to somebody who hasn't been there or even as an assistant i i would be okay with something more along those lines but it feels too risky to just give it to jesse marsh and say he's american he's a good coach and trust that he knows what he's doing here so i mean so i want to throw something out because this was in the news too Jim Curtin went on the Crack podcast, which is hosted yes. by uh, Demarcus Beasley and Aguchi Onyewu. And, great. <laughs> and he said, he volunteered. So he said he would go coach them, that he would accept the national team job if, if, if offered. And then, sure. he vol- and then he volunteered that he would be willing to, be Jesse, to go be Jesse's assistant. 
That's weird. Wow. I'm, so his, right? Am I the yeah, only one thought that was that weird? Is, that is Super weird. weird. And apparently his contract is still being negotiated, or it's not his contract extension with Billy is not like official official or or signed yet. Yeah. So maybe this is some negotiating in public. But what he threw out as an approach that U.S. soccer should consider for this World Cup specifically, because he went on and on about how important this World Cup is for soccer in the United States and how, you know, it's it's got so much potential for the sport here, is he said that, like, basically any American coach should be willing to be an assistant on the staff and that an approach that they that they should think about is getting the best, you know, soccer people that America has and do almost like a coordinator type of approach where hmm. you have like curtain, you know, he threw himself out as like, I've got a lot of defensive ideas that I think could really help the national team. You know, and he said, you get somebody else who, um, who can be in charge of designing like this aspect of the game. I'm not sold on the idea, but it's the first time I've heard somebody suggest it. So I, thought you know it belonged in this conversation it's so it's i mean yeah. a like my first reaction is well that's not how they coach soccer and you're inventing right, an entire, coach soccer. you're inventing <laughs> an entirely new way of doing business ahead of the most important world cup ever allegedly and b if you're going to spend that much money to pay jim Curtin, jesse marsh <laughs> and the entire brain trust that they want to bring in just hire one really good manager from overseas. Like if it's the most important <laughs> World Cup ever, just go break the bank and go get, I'm not saying that he's a good choice, but go get Pep Guardiola then at that point. Like right. go pay the man right. if it's that important. I I mean, so what would be the the dream team? I guess you'd need Bob Bradley to be the official head coach because he's your <laughs> seasoned executive coach, right? And then you'd bring in, yeah, probably Chris Armis, uh, Jesse Marsh, and Jim Curtin as your assistant coaches. And then I don't know whoever our best American goalkeeping coach is and throw him in the mix there. And that that's your team. I don't so, know if that gets anybody excited. So, <laughs> so, somehow the head coach is Bill Belichick, just because it would be. <laughs> I almost said, uh, oh, what's his name down in Alabama? Nick Saban. Uh, Nick Saban should be the head yeah. coach. Why not? The CEO head coach. <laughs> That's what I want. I want, yeah, like a team executive more than a, an actual coach. <laughs> I, we'll see what happens. The insane thing is that is that uh, Anthony Hudson is our national team manager and presumably through the summer at this point, like it's probably, I don't know if they'll make that change quickly here because they, the, the order of operations here is they want to appoint a general manager first and then the general manager will make the hire. So maybe Jesse Marsh picks up a, a coaching gig before then and he's, off the table. I mean, I don't know. We've seen MLS coaches depart right before the season kicks off, and maybe he's coaching Miami or something in the next couple of weeks. Who who the fuck knows? So so, so over under, and I'm gonna put you guys on the spot on this one. So a little birdie has told me that TQL Stadium is hosting the gold cup in July for the quarterfinals. Um, and that's a done deal right now. Will Jesse Marsh be the manager of the US team that plays at the gold cup? in July at TQL stadium. I'm going to say no, no. I would bet against it. I'll take the field over take Jesse field. Marsh in this case. Yeah. Same. 
but I, I mean, you asked that on Twitter, and I bet you get seventy five percent picking Jesse Marsh. Don't ask, no, don't ask anybody until this podcast drops because we just broke some news. <laughs> <laughs> Great point. <laughs> Congratulations! You oh. made it this deep into the podcast. You deserve to deserve to learn something new. You got it. Uh, oh, perfect. That's going to wrap it for part two. Part three, we've got a little in the 11 out of the 18, and that'll do it for the postcast. So let's, let's head on over there. We're back, and it's part three. Indy 11, Ottawa 18. Chief, like you want to start us I off? I I oh, come on. I, I mean, I had to try it naturally one nah, time, right? Didn't, okay. didn't work. In right. the 11 out of the 18, what do you got? In my 11 is balloons. Um, okay. <laughs> I can't believe I was the only person that was just enraptured by the saga of the balloon <laughs> floating over the majority of North America. And oh. I, I love everything about this story from the fact that everyone was obsessing over Chinese spy technology when we all watched TikTok on our phones to the yes. fact that... They finally decided to shoot this down over Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I think it's the first <laughs> confirmed air-to-air -air kill of an entire type of fighter jet that we've presumably paid trillions of dollars to own. Yeah, the F-22. Yeah. And so, like, all this story is incredible. And, like, I really want to know now, does the guy who shot this down, does he get some cool call sign like helium or something like that? <laughs> Because they paint a balloon on the side of his airplane to show that like he's got like the only confirmed air to air kill right now. I love this. I don't know. I I hope that the Chinese send another balloon like every couple of months so we can just keep reliving the drama. I uh, I'm wondering why Canada didn't intercept it when it went from Alaska to the U.S. It clearly had to have, go over there. Does Canada have an air force? Yeah, apparently not. That's what um, <laughs> at least they, at least they did in World War Two, according to the movie Pearl Harbor. <laughs> what do you I think? assume they've we've got to sell planes to somebody right like <laughs> and, not, and not just to get you know world cup deals through <laughs> right no <laughs> that would be france we don't do things like yes. that we just pay cash <laughs> like normal people um no uh, I, I i loved this entire story i loved there were pictures of people like shooting guns off at the sky to try and kill the balloon and everybody had a hot take about it um I don't know. I like I it reminded me, do you remember that story about the dude where like they faked that there was a kid trapped in a balloon that oh, was flying over like let Oklahoma? Me, let me tell you this. You've got to look up Internet Historian on YouTube, the story of the balloon boy fascinating anything you think you know about this story you don't know he goes deep onto like the weird fame obsessed father who faked it all and that's how it was faked and like the kids weren't in on it super weird super weird very good story definitely recommend checking out he was also the first one on the fire fest uh he had a really good video on that before hulu and netflix made made their they're serious. So yeah, check that out. Yeah, I was also, like I said, I, I was just enraptured by the fact that of all the places this balloon could have been shot down, it was Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which is just, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've been to Myrtle Beach. But oh, yeah. There is no place imaginable that I can think of that there is no crowd on a beach anywhere in America <laughs> that I think would appreciate seeing a balloon shot down by a fighter jet than the people who go to Myrtle Beach for vacation. If it's your vacation spot, God bless you. I went there when I was a kid forever, and it's just the, the strangest amalgam of people on vacation that you will ever want to meet. 
it's a uh, it's a weird vibe. But yeah, we got a lot of high quality cell phone video of it, so that was fun. I didn't follow this story because it seemed it seemed I just it just hit a lot of red flags for me. It was like bringing out like all of the dumbest commentary and pictures that people do. Um, you know, people <laughs> go out to their backyard like yes, oh, I'm going to shoot it point. in the air, and then like the whole the whole concept that it's a fucking balloon balloons go up and down like they just go with the wind what china is like driving this balloon somehow it just felt like i feel like i feel like we've not been told remotely to the truth remotely close to the true story on this so i'm just not going to engage with it it just sounds it just sounds like a bunch of made-up bullshit that's like there to like kind of (laughs) obfuscate some other bullshit and i just am not I'm not in. I'm not so, in. So, all right, so wait, are you saying that maybe the U.S. government released the balloon itself to try and do like distract from something else that was going on? It could be anything. I'm not. I'm not speculating on it. I'm just saying that I don't <laughs> think whatever they told us about this thing, I don't think that that's true. I just don't. Do you think it's, uh, a, do you think it's a coincidence that Brenner went missing from training as soon as the <laughs> balloon started appearing over North American airspace? The timing is coincidences. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> on uh npr this morning they said the balloon weighed uh between two and three uh city buses and that blew my mind with, with so what? Right there it's with all heat. i know <laughs> there's something in, the in air <laughs> right they were talking about how they couldn't shoot this thing down over montana because the debris okay. field would be too big what debris field it's a balloon okay what so is, is it not this? a balloon is it like a weird drone with a pouch no. Like if they would have told me we were worried it would it's get weird. like tangled on a power line, I would have bought that more than the debris field is going to hit somebody. <laughs> and what is what is China getting from a balloon? <laughs> like what what valuable intelligence can only be gathered via balloon and not a satellite or a person on the ground? <laughs> like what are you getting? <laughs> oh, oh, they're going to know what Missouri looks like. Well, they've got that. They're listening to all of our AM radio. I don't know what they're I'm going to butcher the line, but somebody had it on on Twitter and they were like the Chinese people like bringing in the intel to like whatever their version of the CIA is. And the only thing they say is you would not believe how many dollar generals there are in this country. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's good intel. Yeah, Uh, chief. (laughs) Oh, no. Sorry. Go ahead. I oh, was going to move the, you on. Yeah, no, fine. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about balloons all day. Out of the 18 uh, this week is open world video games. Um, I don't know if you guys Ooh. play video games. The Harry Potter Hogwarts Legacy apparently Putting released today. Out. Okay. I don't, I don't play video games, but I don't play that one specifically because I support trans rights. It's <laughs> um, very I, noble I, of you. <laughs> I haven't read the, uh, I haven't read anything about it to find out if you can pick more than two genders for your character creator, because that would be hilarious if possible. Um, My favorite bit was uh, at the end of the game, you get to go back and decide whether or not your character was gay or not. (laughs) (laughs) You don't actually see your character at the end. They tell you what your character looked like and then challenge all of your assumptions about what you thought the character was specifically. Yes. (laughs) Um, No, I, I mean, I'm. I might pick this game up and play it. It's getting pretty good reviews. And I don't know. I just like to wade into controversy like that whenever possible. But <laughs> more importantly, I'm putting it out of my out of my 18 because it feels like every video game that gets released today is an open world game. And yes. I don't know who has the time for all this. Like, 
you play these games, they're tw- 200 hour like opuses where like every side quest takes forever. And man, I, I get that when I was 15 or 14, this probably sounded like the coolest thing ever. Like, no, you don't understand. You buy this game and you can play it for 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 months and you can dive yeah. into it. And now it's just sort of this this depressing slog I do through video games where I realize I've been playing the same game for like an hour or two at a time every couple nights and it takes me three to four months to work through a game and I do the math and realize that at this pace I probably will only play 50 (laughs) or 60 more games in my adult lifetime and it's just sad just make shorter (laughs) video games that's all I'm I am once again asking you to make (laughs) shorter video games I don't need a hyper realistic world with all this shit to explore just tell me where to fucking go tell me where the interesting stuff is Tell me where the story is. Tell me where the missions are. I don't need to have this immersive gameplay experience where I live in fear that I've missed some great bit of content because I didn't explore and try to see if every door and every window opened up. Just stop it. Stop it. I'm done. It's out of my 18. Chief, I've been uh, squatting on a take. There you go. There we go. For for a while on this one. Open world games are lazy video game design because you don't need to build an interesting video game. And so much of the open world can be procedurally generated or is reusing assets. And your story can suck ass because you're not expecting the player to be focused on the story or doing the story so quickly after itself that it has to make sense or be engaging that it's just something that they will interact with to unlock more of the world and do their own thing and i think it's really hurt video games overall to not have more tight concise story driven or at least like world driven uh games yeah. you just they're sandboxes and the fun is up to you i don't have to do anything as the developer it's on you to to have fun with this and, and that works if you really build a world that's really interesting and that like there's a lot of play mechanics that are a lot of fun but most of them aren't like that and this was no it was novel when grand theft auto did it but then like the way this all turns into is that you the, the best example is you, you play all three Mass Effect games. They're fun. They make a fourth one that's open world. And it's like this sucks because the story isn't focused any longer. And it's just it's bad. And I just I am pleading with with game developers. Give me something. I'm an adult. I have a mortgage. I have a podcast that goes two and a half hours when we record because none of us can shut the <laughs> fuck up. Um, me specifically. Just give give me something i can play for like 15 hours give me 15 hours of a game i'll pay 60 bucks for it that's all i need if you want uh afternoon game like a two-hour game three-hour game unpacking is a good game i recommend that it's a weird it's a weird game it grows on you uh grayson in the 11 out of the 18 what you got so um you know i think there have been a lot of like news stories and i think people have experienced it lately um kind of returning back to the office while a lot of places have also um you know reduced office space so people are finding themselves in you know more shared spaces maybe you share a desk maybe you have hoteling space maybe you have like a co-working space um and it's kind of a new normal people are dealing with so and i came across a uh new at least new to me advice column in the new york times um called called work friend 
And, um, you know, the, the first one was like kind of a common, I would say a very common situation. Um, and I think that, <laughs> that we could maybe give some advice to people who, who run into this in their, in their life here. Okay. okay. What do you got for us? So, you know, question. I work in a small office and share a desk with a man whose wife just had a baby. He has the desk two days a week, and I have the desk another two. When I come to work, I am confronted with an array of giant pictures of a baby acne-modeled monstrosity sitting on my desk. I remove the pictures so I don't have to look at them. I don't place the pictures back on the desk at the end of the day because I don't think it's my responsibility. At the Christmas party this year, the father of the infant jokingly said, so it seems you aren't a fan of my baby. I replied, well, I just feel weird staring at a random baby while I'm trying to work. He launched into an unprompted description of his family's IVF journey. He seemed intent on shaming me for putting baby in a drawer, never mind that it's not my baby, and frankly, overpopulation stresses me out. A part, of, <laughs> yeah. a part of me can't let things lie. I confessed that the real reason I can't stand to look at his baby is that I recently learned I am infertile. By the time I had finished telling my lie... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. By the time I had finished telling my lie, a bit of an audience had formed, so I essentially told my entire office a sob story that isn't true, like a sociopath would. Now, everyone is being way too nice to me, and an older coworker who genuinely does have fertility issues has been trying to bond over our supposed shared struggle. I feel embarrassed, ashamed, and horrified every time I am at work. I feel like I need to switch jobs at this point. What should I do? And the answer is switch jobs, right? Switch you have to jobs. quit. Defriend everybody switch on LinkedIn, jobs. Facebook. Leave. Get out now. Block them all in your accounts. Never talk to them again, right? That is, and then like really do some soul searching as to why that's how you decided to get out of that situation instead of just asking your coworker to reset the desk when they're done or you yourself to reset the desk how you found it right oh I mean, my this, god <laughs> this person could have just put the pictures back up on the desk right like having a normal adult conversation of, hey, man, I know you love your kid. It's not for me. And I feel yeah. weird looking at a baby like let's work something out like that's fine. That's fair. They will get that. <laughs> and I, I just like how oh there's like, I really what I liked about it the most was how the the author just couldn't help but like reveal themselves by like calling the baby like an acne model monstrosity. Right. Or saying like, well, and also I'm really worried about overpopulation. Okay, because um, this one baby <laughs> is one tip of the there. scale. <laughs> Somebody who's got like a sub replacement level family. <laughs> right, right. One baby. They're doing God's work here in the overpopulation work. It's the it's the quiverful movement there. You got to worry about. Um, Oh my god, that's incredible stuff. Uh, it's a shame soccer wasn't involved because soccer blog book club could have gone all over this. Um, <laughs> so that's in the eleven to be clear. Yeah, in the eleven is the is the work <laughs> advice column because I get a, okay. I get a, I get a kick out of these sometimes. Um, uh. I, I I don't want to go into it. There was a bunch of crazy <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, okay, so out of my. Uh, 
out of my Ottawa 18. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is also is also is also kind of child related. Okay. Um, and so out of my 18 is like uh reporters at at press conferences. Um because your job is not that important. Press conferences don't reveal all that much, but this this uh reporter, this NFL reporter for CBS Sports Radio, Maggie Gray. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Threw a big fit that the say that the that the Saints the Eagles coach uh, had his kids at a at a post game press conference, and oh, no. like I couldn't care less, right? Like big, we got a like, big Jay Journal fight happening. She's like, oh, oh boy. Uh, she's like, oh, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, people are there to do their very serious jobs. And it's disrespectful. And I'm like, no. It's not that serious. It's not it's that sports. serious. It's sports. It's sports. And it's the post-game press conference. It's like the it's like the least substantive thing of you know, it's where you get it's where you you phrase a question specifically to get the sound bite that you already that you already wrote into right. your into your article. Because you're trying to fit, you're trying to pad it with a couple of quotes before you have to file in 20 minutes. Right. You've already written the coach really loved the quarterback's footwork in the in the final key play. Hey, coach, what'd you think of the quarterback's footwork on that final key play? Well, I really liked it. Boom, done. You don't have to do anything. Um, or right. why not incorporate or you the talk kids? About question. Talk about this. Talk about that. Right. <laughs> right. Why not just... incorporate the kids? How great is it you get to celebrate this win with your kids? Or how important is your family to what you do? Like, just roll with it, lady. Like, it's okay. Especially, like, going into Super Bowl week, because every every year, oh, and yeah. every so often you get the sports reporters, you know, going on and on about somebody, you know, being unprofessional. We had the people yelling at the um, local news people for wearing Bengals gear to cover the games, yes. cover the playoffs last year. Um, during the Super Bowl, you have all the people who cover football like all the time suddenly become like huge snobs about like all the people that are just there to cover the Super Bowl because, you know, their questions are uninformed versus, you know, my talk about how good Patrick Mahomes is uh, when he gets right. out of the pocket question is just a brilliant question that you know, nobody's <laughs> ever thought of. And we're finally getting to the bottom of this. <laughs> oh, that's exactly right. I thought you were going to go in a slightly <laughs> different direction, which is somebody somebody asked the uh, the Eagles head coach uh, who on their team would he not want to date his daughter, uh, and he responded, "My daughter is five years old." I just made about the, that. That's pretty funny. Made the entire thing uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my god. Oh man. Uh, I'll wrap us up here in the 11. Uh, I'm going, I'm going with a theme in this one, uh, in the 11, I'm putting root canals in the 11. I don't know if you guys Wait, are in, at all in like the, me in the 11, in the 11. Ooh. Now hear me out <laughs> growing up at the root canal was the, the line of demarcation of like most painful thing that you can experience more than that. You might face death, but you know, root canal was what the line you could walk right on up to in terms of like the most painful things you could have in your life. Uh, in the last month I've had two root canals and I have felt completely fine after both. They have not been painful. I had one done earlier today. It took 50 minutes. 
in and out. We were done. It was great. The dentist was was quick with it. I I've never had something not live up to the hype that much in my life in terms of what I thought I was going to be terrified of and how it actually went. So do you want them to take them back, take you back and do it again and make it worse just so that your expectations oh, are no. met? Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I'm happy with this, which is why I'm putting them in the 11. It's just, it was, it was a tooth filling that just took a little longer is all I was experiencing with this. I mean, so. the majority of what I know about a root canal comes from the Weird Al Yankovic parody song of Hold Me, Kill Me, Kiss Me, Thrill Me, where it was Hold Me, <laughs> Drill Me, something, but it's all about a dentist giving somebody a root canal. <laughs> that really made an impression I mean, on me when I was in the eighth grade. <laughs> the best if dentist you, song yeah. is uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Wait, he was a dentist in that? I thought he was like, there was an, a man-eating plant, wasn't it? Yeah, no, Steve Martin plays a plays a dentist who's oh. the uh, bad boyfriend to the, the, main, the main woman. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Not that bad. Like, if I got told I had to get another root canal, be fine i wouldn't worry about it but like i feel like I, flossing is just an easier answer here for you don't what is it what do tiktok dances have to do with this no. <laughs> i i actually am very annoyed at my teeth because i i have a pretty a pretty tight uh oral hygiene routine and uh it completely failed me so that was that was a real disappointment uh but out of the 18 i'm putting stitches in my stomach because last week i also had to have surgery again i had a uh uh, I had to have them go back in and basically repair a uh, a staple, I should say, a staple that had come undone and was poking back out through my belly button. It was terrifying and yeah, gross. Content and warning on this. What the fuck? Oh, right. no, this is great. <laughs> this is yeah. I no. had to live with this. All right, like you low, can know like about it. Episode <laughs> yeah, talking soccer and balloons, <laughs> and now we're doing this shit. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, you know what? It could have been a bioweapon in this staple. There could have been, you know, tracking been information in this. We don't Chinese know. Chinese spy balloon inside that staple. I mean, who knows? <laughs> uh, just very annoying to to have to go in and get that repaired uh, following a surgery I had last fall. So there we go. In the 11 root canals, out of the 11 repairing staples. <laughs> you ever try to just take your own stitches out? Uh, no, I've not had that experience. Mine, mine are the self-dissolving kind. Mm. So when I, when I was in, uh, when I was in college, I didn't want to go back to the doctor. Mm. So I, I removed my own stitches and don't do <laughs> How it. How did it that leaves, go? <laughs> it, it leaves a, it leaves like a, if you don't, if you don't do it like exactly right or right on time, you leave like a bigger scar. So don't do it. Yeah. But you think of all the insurance premiums you saved. Yeah. Would you pay? Yeah. Would you would you rather pay and have a slightly smaller scar? No, you you take the scar. Well, when I was when I'm 20 years old, I would rather just have the scar. I'm not, yeah. I'm, not I'm not forking over 50 bucks. That's marijuana money. Right. <laughs> I mean, but it, it, it is definitely a tough story to tell down the road to like someone that you meet where it's like, so yeah. what's that scar all about? Well, when I was in college, I thought I would just save time and take my own stitches out. It's like, you're a moron. I don't want you to have, I don't want to be in a relationship with you. 
So how did you prepare for this? Did you, I mean, I don't know if this is a pre-YouTube era. How did you, you just go to town on it? Did you read anything? Took took a little pair of scissors and just... There you go. Sniffs okay. it. <laughs> Fair enough. You I don't know. Out. <laughs> Went back home to your parents. We're going to medical school. Who needs it? I, uh, again... He's not bleeding with, anymore. Seems, seems with, fine. Yeah, it's, it's stopped bleeding recently. That's a concern. Um, the uh, no, I'm in uh, I'm in Kroger, and I see in the uh, in the the section where they sell like the plastic flossers. They also sell like a full dental hygienist like scraping kit, and it made me very sad that there are people doing at home dental cleaning on no, because themselves. It's, but it's always escalation. It's like they got everyone back in the day where you don't have to just brush; you have to floss. And now they've right. got everybody flossing, like, no, you got to get the pick and you got to pick everything, too. And at this certain point, it's just been, why am I paying you people if I have to <laughs> do this all on my own? Tell me when we get the gas at home. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can, just drive, you can drive to Michigan and get a pretty good replacement. So if you got your card. They sell they sell whipped cream in uh, Kroger. You you be all right. Just do whippets. You'll be all right. <laughs> Uh, well, on that note, <laughs> let's, let's end this podcast, day. Eh? Kids, kids, don't don't do that. Don't do don't, any of that. Yeah, no, that's for, we're, we're all, we have to note that we're all kidding. And uh, hey, kids, <laughs> fuck Columbus. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.